Just before we begin our podcast today, I have to interrupt with very important and exciting news. Fresh off the press and available right now, my brand new book, Revival If, igniting your passion for personal renewal and national revival. I really, really believe as you read its pages, your spirit will be stirred, your heart will be sparked by the power of the Holy Spirit, teaching you to become a right now resurrected, revenant, remnant revivalist of redemptive change. You can pick up your copy at any fine bookstore, including digital bookstores on your favorite platform, or get your exclusive signed author's edition by visiting revivalif.com. We're here on this beautiful set of breakthrough created for our series from my brand new book, There It Is, Revival If Igniting Your Personal Passion for Revival and National Revival. So we're gonna get you renewed and we're gonna get the whole church revived, revival, hallelujah, revived in the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of God. Now, before we get started tonight, and as you can tell, I'm, I'm like a caged lion tonight. I am ready to go, ready to be like a horse loosed from the stall and kick up my heels in the glory of God tonight. We're gonna have a little bit of revival right here tonight for about the next 60 minutes. So I need you to like, I need you to share, I need you to comment because I'm what kind of preacher? And I'm gonna wait for somebody to type it in tonight. Pastor Rod is what kind of a preacher? I'm believing tonight for your miracle. I'm believing for your breakthrough. You know how a breakthrough comes into your life? It's a sudden burst, comes suddenly. A sudden burst of the advanced knowledge of God that propels you through every line of Satan's defense. The church is offensive. There's nothing stagnant about the church. The church is offensive, not defensive. How do we know that? Well, the Bible says that the church, that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Well, so what does that mean? It means the church is aggressive. The church is always moving forward. The church is always anticipating a miracle. Do you know that the atmosphere of expectancy is the breeding ground of your miracle? What are you expecting tonight? Tonight, we are setting ourselves on an irreversible collision course with the forces of darkness. Tonight, your enemy is about to encounter a God with whom he cannot contend. Now, I trained myself to talk fast after I came up out of the coal mining areas and those beautiful, beautiful mountains of eastern Kentucky in Appalachia. I, I had to teach myself to talk faster. So sometimes I go too fast. I need to say it again, your enemy, everything arrayed against your soul, your happiness, your joy, your freedom, 
your prosperity, your strength, your soundness of mind, of spirit, of body, of mind, will, and emotions, your soul, right, is about to to come against a God with whom they cannot contend. You see, it's not you fighting the battle, it's God within you. Therefore, you and I together, we're about to rout the enemy. We are here not to take sides, but to take over. We are here to impose the boundaries of the kingdom of God and of his Christ. We're here to incite a riot. We're here to affect a divine disturbance. And we're here to raise up the bloodstained banner of the cross of Jesus Christ. God's raising up right now a revolutionary, revenant, resurrection, remnant church of revivalists. We're relevant because we're connected to the great command, the great commandment. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with thy whole heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And then the great commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. The great founder of the Salvation Army, you know, most folks don't know that the Salvation Army, you will know when you get my book, Revival If, because I talk about it in there, you'll realize that the Salvation Army began in the heat of one of the most most powerful, riveting, Holy Ghost movements of revival the world's ever seen. And they're still here today as a result of it. Well, their founder, the great William Booth, had this to say about the 20th century church, not the 21st century church. So he's talking about 100 years ago. And think of the church then and the, and the state of the church today, right? And he said of the 20th century church, the danger of that church will be the same as it is today, religion without the Holy Ghost. I wouldn't give you 15 cents worth of it because I'll tell you what it is. There's been a whole lot of talk over the last two and a half years about a vaccination. Religion is to true Christianity what a vaccine is to a virus. It's a little bit of the virus put in your body so that you can't get the real thing. That's what religion is. It's an inoculation against true, biblical, authentic Christianity. Here, here, here. We've got a church with Christianity, without the church, we've got forgiveness without repentance, we've got salvation without regeneration, we've got head knowledge but no heart experience, and we've got a church that talks about heaven and doesn't talk about hell. Now listen, 
God Almighty didn't bring me back from the dead to feed your fantasies and tickle your fancies. That's not what this book is all about. This book is designed to do for a generation what the great Leonard Ravenhill's Why Revival Terries did for a generation. I mean it, I believe for it, I ask for it, I believe God delivered it to me and now through me to you. I've come to resurrect a revolutionary, relevant, revenant, remnant of revivalists. I've come to see the church of Jesus Christ rise up from the boiling cauldron of ecumenicalism where everybody's a preacher and everything passes off as a church. Tonight, we're gonna speak deep to deep into your heart about a deep, deep desire for everlasting eternal change in your heart, in your life, in your family, in everything you do. As we're gonna set ourselves on that collision course with the forces of darkness. And tonight, we full well intend to take our lives back, to take our homes back, to take our churches back, to take our cities back in Jesus' name. We're about to bust the Holy Ghost, as I said in Dominion Camp Meeting 2022. We're about to bust the Holy Ghost loose from the cages of religion and ritual, of denominationalism and disrespect, out of sectarianism, out of superstition, out of timidity. A timid faith will be intimidated out of trepidation and fear. And tomorrow, when we get this revelation deep in our spirits, we're about to change the world. Now, I have got a free digital download of a message that directly relates to revival if. It's called the ab abdication of the Holy Spirit. The abdication of the Holy Spirit. It's my free gift to you tonight. Just put your email in the comments and I'm gonna send you that free audio and video download. Because my wife always says, Pastor Rod can't be explained, he's gotta be experienced. So that's that kind of preaching and I wanna get it in your belly. Revival If, we're on week number three and we're gonna be talking about if my people will seek my face. What does that mean? Do you ever think about it? I mean, when you get to be my age, I'm 65 and just getting ready to thrive, amen. I've got more energy now than most 20 year olds and I intend to keep it because I'm on fire for God. I'm on a mission and a co-mission and I'm obeying a commandment. I'm connected to the issue and believing for absolute sweeping revival and great awakening. This thing was greatly distilled last week into one of the most powerful and most neglected biblical mandates ever handed down from the magnificent throne of the living God. Here it is in one word, prayer. Now, let me give you a great, great caution right now. So we're, we're pulling up to the traffic light and the yellow light is flashing, okay? Caution, let me caution you right now that prayer involves 
much, much more than that which is most revered in the backslidden, self-interested, self-centered, self-involved, narcissistic modern church just asking God for things. That's not our purpose. That's not the plan of God. We're not just asking God for stuff when we're praying. Prayer requires a whole lot more. Prayer requires communicating with God deeper, having communion, fellowship with God, which includes certainly both hearing, listening, and speaking, giving, and receiving. Now, I just said a whole lot to you. Let me go, let me go over it again. Prayer involves both speaking and listening and giving and receiving. How much listening are you doing in your prayer time versus how much talking are you doing in your prayer time? How much time are you spending waiting on God? You know, the ancient Quakers also came from shakers who would sit and wait in their meeting houses at times for many, many hours. And they would say nothing, they would sing nothing, they would do nothing until they began to sense and feel the actual presence of God with them. One of the great, great reasons that so many prayers seem to go unanswered is because we're just talking. We're, we're not listening. We're not communing. We're not fellowshipping with God in his overwhelming presence because we are always in a hurry. The song used to say, slow down, you move too fast. <laughs> you got to make the morning last. Just kicking down the cobblestone. Listen, you've got to spend some time. This, this is not, you know, this, this is not egg timer religion. This is true biblical Christianity, which the entire basis of is a relationship. Hear me, not a ritual. It's a relationship, not a ritual. Ritual. Much, much of the time, uh, so-called believers, air quote believers, prayers, are strictly focused on what they can get from God. Jesus, this is Jimmy. Let me tell you what I want you to give me. How much of your prayer time focuses on you and your four and no more? How much of your prayer time focuses on fellowshipping with the God of your salvation? They're focused rather on what they can get from God rather than communing with God himself. Now, what I'm telling you 
will wreck your religion and it will bring a refreshing, gully-washing, toad-strangling presence of God into your life. I was praying, air quotes, once early in my ministry. I think at that time we were in the 400-seat building. Might have been the 120-seat building. Sometime in that time frame, uh, and I, I was at the altar in the church and I was praying and uh, I felt, you know, kind of as it were, somebody tap on my shoulder. It was so real to me, I turned and looked. Of course, there was no one there. And uh, I heard God say to me, what are you doing? And I said in all the honesty I could muster, well, I, I, I'm praying. And God said very simply, no, you're not. You're complaining. Wow. Do you th Listen, that was in the late 80s, 1980s, and I can still remember at this moment. Why? There was presence. There was presence. He was there. It was tangible. His presence, his power, his closeness was palpable. If, if you're praying and all you're doing is talking and nothing's happening, try this. Shh. Be quiet. Listen. Learn to hear the voice of God within your spirit, not audibly. When it comes to your spirit, it's more real than if it was audible. Just like that tap on my shoulder, it was more real than if someone had physically touched me. So I want to get into the third principle required for true Holy Ghost revival. True Holy Ghost revival. It is the direct clarion call from the throne room of God himself to seek the very face of God. Let's get into it. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. It is the basis for the entire book, Revival If. You say, Pastor Rod, why is there an if? Well, 2 Chronicles 7, 14 tells you, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, I want to preach every one of them, and I do in the book, humble themselves and pray, talked about that last week, and here it is, seek my face. God said, if you will seek my face, I'm going to report it, repeat it for you, and type it in if you want to, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, then I will forgive their sin, then I will heal their land. So in biblical language, indeed the language of all ancient cultures, I want you to get this deeply ingrained in your spirit tonight. The king's face, now we've just had the passing of the Queen of England, who was the longest reigning monarch in history. Think of that, okay? So let's get in, let, let's, let's let that inform us, okay? In the language of ancient culture, the king's face was a symbol, it was a metaphor for royal Here's the word you need to get. 
access. Royal access. What's God saying? If my people will seek royal access. <laughs> Only the most supremely blessed, the most supremely privileged, the most supremely honored, the most supremely respected were ever privileged to be afforded the honor to behold the face of the king. The preponderance of any king's subjects would live and die without ever one time even catching a passing glimpse of the visage of their monarch. If they were among that uncommon few, it was usually little more than a hurried glimpse from the side of the road as a tightly guarded royal caravan of the sovereign passed swiftly by. In a monarchy, those who had access to the king's face had an overwhelming and enormous advantage over those who did not possess such access. Those with access had the opportunity, now think of it, to petition the monarch, the king, for favor. They could go into the presence of the king and advocate for whatever cause they desired. By seeing his face, they could discern what pleased the king as well as observe what angered him and tilted his crown. They might even become knowledgeable, privy to his thoughts. They might hear his plans. Do you get, are you picking up what I'm dropping? So here we are. Access, type it in. Access to the thoughts, the plans, the desires, what pleased God, what displeased God, direction, countenance, presence, petition, supplication in the very presence of the king. Now look, the king is calling for you. Now listen, it has nothing to do with you and everything to do with the blood of his son. Because for you to gain access to the presence of God was the price of the cross. His suffering, his sighing, his crying, his dying. It cost God his only begotten, sinless, 
pure from heaven sent down son slain as a lamb from the foundation of the world so that you who were outside could come inside into the presence of God. We've lost our awe of God. What did you think when the Queen of England passed and the whole world became paralyzed? What did you think to see those hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people standing in a line in all sorts of weather just to get a glimpse of her casket after she's passed from this world? The living God of heaven and earth is calling you to his holy presence, to his face. Why aren't you going? Oh, I know you're too busy. You got lunches to make and kids to run and you got sweepers to run and you got, you go shopping and you got, you got all, you're so busy. Too busy for the king. Pharaoh Ramses II, Pharaoh of Egypt, understood what it meant to have access to his face as the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. He had that in mind when in anger, in exasperation, after the God of Moses sent 10 plagues and ravaged his kingdom, he barked his response to Moses in Exodus chapter 10 and verse 28. And he said, watch, get away from me, Moses. Watch yourself. Do not see my face anymore. You know what? That's, that's what hell will be like absence from his face, absence from the smile of his favor, absence from the covering of his grace, cast away from his presence, from his face forever. Pharaoh said, for in the day you see my face, you'll die. As David was ascending to the throne of Israel. Abner, that mighty, mighty military general, sought to enter into a covenant of loyalty with the new emerging king. David's response is recorded in 2 Samuel 3.13. Here's what it was. Very well, I will make a covenant with you, but I require one thing from you. You will not see my face unless you bring Michael, the daughter of Saul, with you when you come to see me. The face of the king, if my people called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, seek my face. Wow. Proverbs 16, 15. There it is. David's son, King Solomon, advised his own son these words. In the light of the king's countenance is life. Did you hear me? In the light of the king's countenance 
at his face, in his presence, in the presence of God's countenance, there is life, there is healing, there is victory, there is divine information from another world, there is the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, there is healing, there is deliverance, there is joy forevermore in the presence of the Lord at his face. Seek my face. There is life in the king's countenance. He continued, his favor is as a cloud, here it is, of the latter rain. When the church of Jesus Christ, that relevant, revenant, resurrected remnant of revivalists begins to truly seek the face of God and seek God himself, seek his presence, seek his divine intervention by his presence through his intermediate agency of the Holy Spirit on the earth to bring us into the presence, into the very throne room, into the face of God. There will be latter rain. Do you know what that, that translates? Revival. I will send you the former and the latter rain all together in one month. That is an avalanche of revival, but it's not going to come just because you want it. It's going to come with no more smooth knees, no mundane dreams, no sin all over us, so we can't come into the presence of God. A seeking heart, a seeking mind, that when your eyes pop open the first thing in the morning, instead of reaching for that glass of water because you haven't had any, any, uh, water for six, eight, 10 hours, 12 for some of you, and, and you're so thirsty. When that natural thirst is outweighed by your thirst for his presence, oh, I'm gonna tell you when to seek his face. I'm gonna tell you how to seek his face. I'm gonna tell you how to find his face. And I pray God that the power of the Holy Spirit will take hold of your heart and drag you out of bed an hour early to do nothing but seek his face. In psalm after psalm after psalm, King David implores God himself in so many ways. Please, he said, don't hide your face from me. Please. Oh, I feel his presence right now. Please, is, are, is your heart crying that out right now? Please don't hide your face from me. You know, for over 40 years now, my ministry has been marked by a very special move of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to pour those 40 years of ministry experience into your spirit. So allow me to send you my newest labor of love. It's called Revival If igniting your passion for personal renewal and national revival. You can receive exclusive resources such as your exclusive signed author's edition, study guides, a devotional for Revival If, and a whole lot more at RevivalIf.com. Now don't forget, you can connect with me 
on many, many social media platforms. Just visit rodparsley.com for all the official links. Thank you for tuning in to my podcast and may God empower you to bring revival to your family, your church, and the nation.